Hello, good morning. How are you? Philip Boucher Hayes with you until 12 o'clock today. And on the programme today, Education Minister offers no staffing derogation, no contact tracing, no upgraded masks as schools return tomorrow. We get school principals' reaction. With the HSE cutting back non-critical services, how is the Children's Agency faring? Tusla CEO Bernard Gloucester is in studio. Dara McCullough is wondering how he's going to pick 12 million daffodils without vaccinated workers. From ringworm to nappy rash to scabies to skin-penetrating nematodes. Dr Maura Finn has advice on skin conditions and how to spot them. The year ahead in sports, a preview of the competitions and controversies to come in 2022. Please text us this morning on 51551, email todaycb at rte.ie or on Twitter, we are at Today with Claire. Students across the country are set now to return to the classroom tomorrow despite concerns raised by teacher unions. While public health officials gave the green light for the education sector to reopen, Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Holohan said that it was inevitable that children would pick up the infection given the prevalence of COVID-19 in the community. For more on this, I'm joined now by Brian O'Doherty, President of the Irish Primary Principals Network. Brian, thank you very much for speaking to us this morning. When you hear those comments from Tony Holohan, the CMO, that that rise in infection is inevitable, do you feel that... If we weathered Delta, ultimately we're going to be able to cope with Omicron, or are you concerned? Good morning, Philip. Yes, concerned. Um, but as the professional body for, for primary principles and deputy principles, uh, IPPN has consistently stated that we're, we're happy to be guided at all times by public health advice. And our stated priority has been to ensure that schools stay open because as school leaders, we know the importance of continuity in the provision of learning experiences. And we do recognise the impact that school closures have on, on children and families. Um, and it's in that context that we acknowledge the determination made by public health that it is sufficiently safe for schools to reopen tomorrow. But but concerns do exist and, and you know, schools have put control mm-hmm. measures and, and safety protocols in place to better ensure that they can remain open. But, but those control measures aren't foolproof. And, and given the current trajectory of the virus and its prevalence within our communities, I think, it, I think it's safe to assume, and I think the CMO has acknowledged that, that there will be significant uh, numbers of cases within our schools. So it would be our view that it would be crucial that schools would, would have timely access to public health advice so that risk assessments could be completed and then appropriate and proportionate actions taken. Would it not have been your preference here, Brian, given the staffing level shortage issues before Mm. Christmas, given the the curve, the direction of the trajectory of Omicron, that you might have gone to remote teaching for a week or two just as a precaution? Well, you know, public health have the expertise in this regard and, and they have said there's no public health rationale for keeping schools closed. And as I said, we do recognise the impact that school closures have on children and families. But I, I think the difficulty we have in relation to the, the management of COVID cases in our schools is that that public health voice is missing. Um, and it, it remains our view that schools should have access to that advice at the earliest possible juncture when COVID cases are identified, as that would inform the actions to be taken and to better ensure the health and safety of our school communities. But you put your finger on the other significant issue there, Philip, which is obviously, and it's going to have definite operational implications for schools, and that's how many staff members will be unavailable for work on account of either testing positive themselves or being a close contact of a confirmed okay. case. And the Minister um, this morning on Morning Ireland said that she was not going to be pursuing a derogation that would mm-hmm. be similar to that for healthcare workers, for teachers, in addition to which the burden for contact tracing 
tracing still falls to you as principals and there was going to be no masks coming from the Department of Education. Do you feel supported by the department? Um, well, obviously, we, we, as I've said, we, we, we would like to be better supported in relation to public health. Um, we, we conducted our own survey of members yesterday to ascertain what level of absence there might be um, in, in the coming days. And, and we had response from 1,500 schools and school leaders, which is nearly half of the primary schools in the country. Uh, and the data tells us that uh, that half of those schools that responded will have over 20% of their teachers absent this week. Um, and uh, we'd be particularly concerned for the eight percent of schools who have indicated that they'll have over fifty percent of their of their teachers available, and in the context of, of the existing shortage of substitute teachers and and those heightened levels of absence, this is likely to be a huge issue for the safe operation of schools in the coming days and weeks. So that's why it, it's vital that as many potential substitute teachers are available to the system as possible. And we do welcome the progress that the department and the higher education institutions have made in terms of student teachers being available to act as substitutes in our schools. But but even with that increased number of substitute teachers available, we know that there still won't be enough to cover the level of absence that will present. Um, so inevitably, uh, to keep classes open, we're going to have to redeploy special education teachers to cover the absence of mainstream class teachers when no external substitutes available. Mm-hmm. And, and just referring back to that survey, you know, 40% of the schools who responded indicated that they may have insufficient teacher numbers to open all classes. Um, and, and in those situations where schools don't have those those teacher numbers to adequately discharge their duty of care to the children, boards of management are going to have to make decisions as to how best to manage those circumstances. That may mean individual classes could have to remain at home and be supported remotely uh, where possible. Um, and, and we do understand that the inspectorate is being made available to support schools in that decision-making process. That's a welcome development, um, uh, but difficult decisions are going to have to be made. On the issue of masks, I said that no masks were being offered by the Department of Education, which may be a little bit of a surprise, but that's information that comes from the uh, uh, something that the INTO has mm. just tweeted, uh, that they have said that their latest understanding from the department is that the department isn't going to be providing masks directly, but that if you want to, as a school principal, you can use capitation fees to uh, purchase FFP2 masks with departmental approval. I wonder, would you have considered that you would have needed the minister's permission before going and providing an upgraded mask to your teachers? I I listened to the minister's interview this morning and what I heard was that there was a commitment to review the grade of masks that's recommended in schools and and as as a tweet would indicate that not that medical grade mask would be supplied. Um, There is a standard, I think it's the EN 14683 standard is, is required and then for those who are in close contact, um, typically SNAs or special education teachers who would be working at close quarters with, with individual students, uh, that they would have a superior grade mask. I think the KN95 was uh, typically used. Um, and, and to answer your question, Philip, I think schools have already moved on that one. You know, um, schools have been providing those those masks to, to those teachers and SNAs uh, since uh, we reopened after the closure last spring. And, uh, and in many cases, I know schools have already used their capitation grant to make those masks more widely available to the mainstream class teachers. So I think that's happening already, but I think there would be a value in a commitment being given to supply those schools okay. as, as, as a matter of course. And how quickly have principals been able to move on ventilation, uh, uh, filtration rather, mm-hmm. in classrooms? 
classrooms because we're hearing anecdotally that teachers are finding the tender process quite clunky and quite uh, unnecessarily bureaucratic. Yeah, well, you'll remember that up until early December, ensuring classes were well ventilated to allow for circulation of air in tandem with the monitoring of air quality by means of carbon dioxide monitors, that that was deemed to be sufficient protection. But given the worsening public health situation, um, the the department decided to provide additional financial support to schools by way of a grant so that consideration could be given to the purchasing of those air filtration devices. Um, But look, a one-size-fits-all approach will not work with these devices and, and the type of device that will be suitable will depend on the size of the room, the number of extra air changes per hour that are required to properly ventilate the room. Um, and, in, you know, the department has provided guidance in this uh, in an appendix to the circular that issued, and, and that will assist the decision-making process. But schools will need access to the services of either an engineer or an architect or another suitably qualified professional to, to help them decide the level of air cleaning technology that would be required, you know, if they feel that further guidance is needed. And indeed, th- those those experts would be able to provide support around the procurement and distribution of that technology within the school. Um, so we, we would be suggesting um, that school leaders and, and boards of management w- would determine and are clear as to what the air filtration t- technology that would be most appropriate for their school settings, uh, determine that first before purchasing. A necessary fix, but obviously not a quick fix from what you're mm-hmm. saying. Let's Indeed. speak to some of your colleagues. Um, Caroline Quinn is Principal at Our Lady of Good Counsel in Johnston in South Dublin. Good morning to you, Caroline. How many morning, How many staff are you short? Uh, so we're, we're short five mainstream teachers tomorrow out of 16 mainstream classes. Wow. OK, so is the school still viable at that kind of level? Uh, we're going to meet with our leadership and management team now at 11 and look at what, you know, creative solutions we can put in place in order to have all the children in the classes in the morning. Um, as Brian has alluded to, it will mean the redeployment of the support team. Uh, this is not ideal. It has been happening before Christmas. And as you can imagine, it means that the most vulnerable learners in the school are without their support teachers. Which has a knock-on impact on classes, I would imagine. Of course it does. And, I mean, you know, we're already uh, trying to fill gaps in learning that have been happening for, you know, since March 2020. Um, so, you know, it is a fair challenge. The, the staffing crisis is huge for school leaders all over the country. How have you found the process of both purchasing and installing HEPA filters uh, well, I suppose the, the information came to us at a very late stage before Christmas when we were already grappling with all the other uh, staffing issues and that. So our first port of call was to learn about HEPA filters. This is not our area of expertise by any means. Uh, and we're conscious that we're spending public monies. So, you know, procurement process has to be done and has to be done properly. Um, in order to learn about that, various companies visited the school, um, looked at the size of the classrooms. We're in a 1967 building, uh, which the classrooms are about 48 square metres, not the 80 that we seem to hear about all day yesterday on the various media channels. Uh, so small classrooms, 29 children and two adults probably in most rooms. Uh, So we got the various companies in, got them to look at uh, what might be required in our rooms. And what was the the biggest quote? What was the most expensive? Well, we were gobsmacked. One was 88,000. Oh, my God. Did you get get another? 
We did get another one. The second one was 45. Oh, wow. Okay. That's um, a big jump. The money is available to us in our own school was around 21,000. So that was our minor works grant that comes annually okay. with so, a 50% So the, there's a shortfall of 24 grand that you would have to make up yourselves? Well, there is. But remember that the minor works grant is for repairs to the school building throughout the year. So that will mean that goes aside in order to try and buy HEPA filters. Um, the added complication then, of course, is a lot of these companies closed on December the 17th. So we're just trying to get back to all of that now. And as Brian said, the Board of Management will require then some professional advice to look at these quotes and uh, to advise us. So it's, it's not a quick okay. fix. No, 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 definitely not a quick fix. Just one of the other issues then, contact tracing. Would you like to see it return? Absolutely. I mean, there is no question. Brian has already mentioned this, but, you know, we really were left uh, when this was removed at the end of September. It's beyond our comprehension as to why this happened. Uh, Are you effectively doing that job now, Caroline? Yes. Yeah, we've been doing that job for the last while, since the end of September. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, it's neither our area of expertise, nor is it what a school leader should be spending mm. their time on, really. You nor know? is it appropriate for you to be asking medical questions of families, is it really? Absolutely not. It's beyond our remit. Okay. Thank you very much, Caroline. John Weir is Principal of St Mary's Parish Primary School in Drogheda. Good morning to you, John. Uh, how many teachers are you down? Morning, Philip. Um, we're down eight classroom teachers. That's 20% of our cohorts and three SNAs at the moment. Um, I think we were, I, I'm apprehensive, I suppose it would be a, a nice way of saying it. But um, Can I you move the deck chairs to cover? That will, will have to happen. And just as Caroline said, we will have to redeploy um, some of our support staff. I mean, we've looked for uh, subs from the various panels. They just don't exist. Um, we managed to get one substitute teacher all right a girl who yeah. is just home for, for Christmas uh, from abroad so we have her coming in but uh, so that will get us maybe you know that will start okay. us, but but What about the panel of student teachers are you not able to get for anybody from that? We, we haven't been able to get I haven't been able to get any at the moment I understand that they may not be available on Thursday Friday but we have managed to procure some for next week um, and I suppose that is my biggest worry is like you know while we're looking at 20% you know tomorrow um, you know, and reopening is that once the children are back, once the teachers are back, how is this going to pan out over the coming weeks? It's likely to, you know, we, we saw days there before Christmas where we had 16 teachers absent on a given day, and that was before we had Omicron. So once that once that's added into the mix and bring all our students back, we have, we have 1,100 students here, bring all the teachers back. It's, I can't see any other way that this is going to become a, a much greater problem in the coming weeks. And when you hear the minister on Morning Ireland this morning, does it feel to you like a school principal that the the implied message here is you're pretty much on your own here, folks? The sense is that, yes, you know, we need to get back to school. Obviously, nobody wants to be out of school. We don't want to be out of school. The students don't want to be out of school. The best place to have us is back at work. And I do understand that, obviously, um, there are massive knock-on effects, you know, for parents when schools are closed in terms of childcare, and especially, you know, if you're looking at childcare for those who are involved in the medical sector. Um, I can understand the importance of getting us back to school. That, that's hugely important. But uh, I, I think 
that's been prioritised as number one and it's kind of like a case of getting us back in and seeing how it pans out um, and I suspect it's, it's not going to be a, a good outcome in the next coming weeks. It does sound or it does feel a little bit, doesn't it, like that a line from that film that was released over Christmas, uh, Don't Look Up. I don't know if you saw it, but an asteroid is hurtling towards Earth and the first reaction of Meryl Streep as the President of the United States is to sit tight and assess. Does it feel like a sit tight and assess kind of situation? Well, I just hope we don't end up, you know, as the... uh the, the, the final scenes of that film we won't ruin it for anyone <laughs> no, but no. I hope it doesn't I, I hope it doesn't <laughs> no. end up like that let's, but that's let us, really, let's not make that direct comparison because that's definitely <laughs> overstating it uh, more, yeah. more than a little alright um, John thank you very much Vicky Barron is principal at CBS Primary School in Wexford uh, Vicky you have specific concerns about the language the rhetoric that has emerged around the return to school I do um, good morning Philip and good morning to everybody who's listening um, I suppose look at the end of the day uh, the biggest problem I have with everything is the mantra that schools are safe. And I suppose we need to acknowledge widely that schools are only as safe and can only be as safe as the communities that they serve. At present, some communities have very, very high levels of COVID, some don't. And so schools will vary throughout the country. And this constant schools are safe has now changed to schools are operating safely is just very disingenuous Um and those of us on the ground have been calling for extra safety measures and I suppose ultimately to be heard that our experiences of how COVID is transmitting in schools, that that is actually heard and taken into account in the data when that is being collected. And in terms of the measures that have been offered to you now as schools reopen, do you feel that it has been assessed, has been taken into consideration? Um, well, we were told yesterday that a public health review has happened um, I don't know what they reviewed as a school principal who has had COVID outbreaks. I wasn't consulted, so I'm interested to know. And I'd like to see the findings and to review the report for myself. Um, I don't know what they've reviewed. If they're going to review what they did before Christmas, they didn't have a problem with the levels of safety and mitigation in schools before Christmas. I doubt they're going to have a problem with it going forward. But we on the ground are seeing things that they are not seeing. And we want our voices to be heard. OK, well, look, on this question about whether schools are safe environments or not, let's get the opinion or the impressions of Professor Kingston Mills, Experimental Immunology, Trinity College, Dublin. Professor, good morning to you, good, Kingston. Good morning. Um, given where we are in the Omicron curve right now, would you have reopened schools? Um, I think it's a very difficult question to answer. I mean, the, the, if you look at the, the case numbers in that age group, the under 12s, um, up to the 20, the, the only data that's available is up to the 24th of December. And there were around um, 12,000 cases in Ireland in, in the two-week period up to the 24th of December. Now, if you looked in the previous um, uh, period during the, when the schools were open, the numbers were actually higher. And um, uh, so I, 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 don't, I, I agree with your previous contributor. Uh, the mantra that, that schools are a safe environment and there's not transmission in schools, I don't know where that is coming from because I, I can't see the scientific evidence to suggest that a virus won't transmit in a school and, and it would somehow transmit in somebody's home. So, so you know, notwithstanding all the measures about HEPA filters and ventilation, etc., this is a very transmissible virus. 
And um, I know that if somebody is infected in a room, it's very difficult to stop other people getting infected. So that's the science as far as I'm concerned. And um, I don't you know, want to make suggestions of whether schools should or shouldn't open. But uh, what I would say is if, if schools do open, we, ex- we should expect to see significant numbers of cases amongst um, primary school children and teachers. Okay, so I can understand why you're reluctant to start straying into uh, educational policy advice, but would it be safer to limit contacts in the under 12s until such time as the greater number of them possible have received a first, if not a, a second jab? Yes, I mean, I think there's two, there's two issues here. First of all, the, the, the current wave, uh, you know, it's, it's likely that it's going to peak um, in the next week or so. Um, this is what all the predictions are. I'm not, a, I'm not an epidemiologist, so this is what they're telling us. Um, and if that's the case, and if you look at the way the, the, the waves went in, for example, um, uh, Denmark and in South Africa, the, the, it peaked and then it dropped very quickly. So the numbers of, uh, we would hope that we have a similar pattern here. So the numbers will peak and then drop very quickly. So the, there could be a sort of a two-week period okay. between but now and that But that's the general time. population. If yeah. the under 11s, the under 12s aren't vaccinated, you're going to see a disproportionate number of infections in that cohort, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, and it takes, I mean, you know, it's not, you know, it, 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 it'll be five weeks or, or thereabouts from the start of vaccination until a child is immune. And even then with two doses and remembering the two doses in adults um, might prevent severe disease. It's not going to prevent infection. So you're still going to have transmission amongst adults, at least, that are doubly vaccinated. It's really only when they're boosted that the real benefit comes in. I mean, some really interesting data came out of the the UK in the last day or two about ICUs, ICU admissions. Um, 60% of people in ICU in the UK have had no vaccine at all. And 90% of people in ICUs had, had not been boosted. So that's showing the huge benefit of preventing very severe disease with, with three doses and, and, and somewhat a good benefit also with two. So if you extrapolate that back to children, you'd need, you're going to need at least two doses to get a benefit. So one dose will have minimal benefit, although children will respond probably better to the vaccine than adults. So you will probably get okay. some so benefit. So you would be talking one. about very significant disruption to their schooling if we were to wait until such time as you had the majority of that cohort. Yeah, you're talking jabbed. about a few months. So you couldn't yeah. do that. But I think I, I think what's probably more important is that if, if the numbers nationally decline in, with say, two or three weeks' time, then, you know, the, the, the general circulation in the population, including school children, their parents and their okay. teachers will have declined. So everything will be in a much better position. So why not, you know, take a, a two or three week period of which to assess things rather than rush back into, I mean, I know that education is so, so important, but I mean, we've had closures before in much less severe circumstances than we have now. And I think that a three week break might be sensible at this stage to allow the worst of this peak to, to pass. Brian O'Doherty, President of the Irish Primary Principals Network. Let me bring you back in on that. A three-week break might be sensible at this point in time. 
Well, I noted Professor Mill's reluctance uh, to stray into educational policy, and I'm certainly not going to stray into his area of expertise either. Uh, But if I could come back to my my three very experienced and highly capable principal colleagues that you spoke to earlier, um, and and they eloquently described the school realities uh, that they're operating in and their concerns, but also their commitment to uh, their school communities. and, and given the current public health reality and its likely impact on schools, I think it's reasonable to expect that all all supports, uh, reasonable supports, would be made available to schools. Uh, and, and chief amongst those would be access okay. to public health. And they're just not there at the moment, mm, is what indeed. we have learned from both Caroline Quinn, John Weir and Vicky Barron. But also thanks to you, Brian O'Doherty and Professor Kingston Mills. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.